Hello, and welcome to Rise of the Data Cloud. Today's episode features an interview with Biba Halu, the Senior Vice President of Enterprise Data at Capital One. She has spent the last nine years pushing cloud services forward in the financial industry. On this episode, Biba talks about the agility that the cloud provides, how data can help personalize customers' experiences, and much more. So please enjoy this interview between Biba Halu, Senior Vice President of Enterprise Data at Capital One, and your host, Steve Ham. Good morning, Biba. Good morning. It's great to have you here. You know, our listeners are probably aware that Capital One is one of the top credit card issuers in the country, but it would be great if you could describe the other main dimensions of the company's business. Sure. So uh, Capital One is uh, one of the top 10 banks, and we offer checking and savings products for consumers, small businesses, and commercial companies. What most people probably don't know is that we've also built a massive in-house tech workforce of nearly 11,000 people, and 85% of those are engineers. So uh, these teams build fantastic software products, leveraging machine learning, AI, and data to solve important problems in banking and to help people manage their finances. So we also consider ourselves to be a big tech company as well. And as a leading bank, a digital bank, machine learning and AI are really central to how we build our products. Yeah, it's interesting. Years ago, I lived next to a guy who was a vice president at J.P. Morgan Chase. And he told me during one of our talks out on the lawn that J.P. Morgan Chase was a tech company that happened to have a banking license. And so this was 15 years ago, so already banks were really seeing themselves as tech companies and tech innovators. So I think that's one of the little known, but very important trends in banking and financial services these days. Yep. That's exactly how we feel. Yeah. Now the industry is still, I would say in the midst of a big long-term transition, really financial services. There's been a lot that's happened because of the internet. There's been a lot that's happened because of mobile computing. What would you say is the transition now? What's going on and how does data help address these the changes or adapting to the changes? As you said, most uh, people are going digital in their everyday lives. They use their devices to make decisions on a minute-by-minute basis. Seems like technology is very integrated into everything that they do. And because there's so much power out there in computing and the ability to process data we can continue to go down the path of personalizing all of those interactions and get closer and closer to our end customers and our consumers. Technology has changed the way we communicate, how we shop, how we travel, how we manage health and money. And so that digital transformation, that digital journey uh, just keeps uh, changing the way that we live our lives day by day. We saw that in the pandemic too, where people started relying on their technology even more. So I've just seen that change year over year at an incredibly fast pace. Yeah, it's just interesting. Even thinking about currency and coins, I realized recently looking back that I haven't touched a dollar bill or a coin in more than a year. And that's a huge change. And I'm sure a 
for a lot of people that is happening and reckoning with that, even reckoning with that isn't of the big change that banks have to make. Yeah, that's very true. I, I would say you're right, Steve. Like even a year ago, I always felt like I had to have cash in my wallet just in case. I don't even think I think about cash anymore or having cash in my wallet because that just in case seems to have changed. Hey, so talk about your role in the company. What, what's your role now? And what was your career path that took you there? Uh, my role now is SVP of enterprise data. So I'm responsible for the enterprise data systems supporting Capital One. So think data pipelines, real-time streaming platforms, data lakes, data warehouses, mm-hmm. et cetera. I've been at Capital One for nine years and uh, have had m- a multitude of positions within Capital One and prior to Capital One have been in a number of different areas as well. Mostly technology, mostly I would call centralized technology, although I have worked in different lines of business, developing application architectures as well. But most significantly in the last nine years, very focused on cloud services and ultimately, obviously, leading to data Now, have you been in banking almost your entire career or is that just the last name? No, I I have been in a few financial services companies, the World Bank, which is not quite your traditional bank, Fannie Mae, which is the mortgage consolidator and securitization company. But I've also worked for Nortel Networks and a startup that specialized in data storage as well. So done a little bit of everything. No, that's great. This episode is brought to you by Snowflake. Join 50,000 of your peers at Snowflake's annual global user conference, Snowflake Summit, this June 8th through 10th. Hear from Snowflake customers, industry thought leaders, and more about how they bring data together now with the data cloud. Learn more and register at snowflake.com slash summit. So in your career, you've been a manager and a leader in organizations that have been dealing with these transitions, these huge technology transitions, and the cloud transition and the cloud data transition seem like some of the biggest ones. What are the most important leadership or management lessons that you've learned along the way? Yeah, I tend to gravitate towards big transformational or transitional efforts, and I love doing that. What I've found is that when you're leading people and when you're leading big efforts, people need context. So that's one thing that I have learned along the way. It's not enough just to set a North Star, but they really want to understand the why and the benefits from every angle, including the benefits to the people who are actually doing the work. So that's one big lesson that I learned is that you really need to spend time providing context And then also adaptability is important and making sure that the people that work with you and for you, all your stakeholders understand that while you have targets, you need to be open to the ever changing nature of the world and technology and continually factor in that evolution as you're uh, moving along your journey. So part of your job is to condition the people around you to deal with change and transformation. Yes, I think that's probably the most important part of the job. Yeah, that's interesting. Now, you've been 
at Capital One for nine years. And that's I think that's exactly the period of time that the company has really been on this major move to the cloud, a major move to data to the cloud. If you could look back on that period and talk about why did that start and what has gone on? Where, what, what took you to the place you are now? Yeah, the, the primary driver for our uh, moving to the cloud in general was agility and giving our software engineers and our business partners the ability to innovate at the pace that they wanted to. So we had the traditional enterprise uh, data centers where you were limited by physical space, right? So you couldn't quite grow as quickly as you wanted to. And just the physical bounds of adding new services, new systems, new technologies, it just didn't quite go as fast as we would have liked. So we started our journey by building our engineering workforce. We became a agile shop, 100% agile shop to make sure that our uh, software engineers were developing in ways that allowed them to iterate and provide value uh, along the way rather than waiting till the end of a big project. And then it just turned into the cloud public cloud service providers. They were able to also innovate at a pace that we could leverage new services that allowed our our engineers to build better and better products. So uh, we just needed that modern infrastructure, we needed to be able to build quickly, and we needed to be able to leverage new services as they were being made available. So you, a lot of people, I'm sure Capital One, moved, you know, the computing to the cloud and the storage to the cloud, but really data management, storage of a massive amount of data, the whole process of integration and, and management, and then finally analysis. Has that, is that something that's still in the early stages or, or have you really done the migration already? I think it's an ever uh, evolving uh, thing that we're doing. So we have moved our data to the cloud. We have continually evolved our data management practices and our integration practices. So I would say we've done quite a bit, but we also know there's it, it's an ever ever evolving transformation. There's so much more to do just because of the sheer amount of data and the different uses for data that are being identified on a daily basis. Now you've talked a lot about you know agility, the you know the focus on the engineering and building new applications fast. Could you talk about a couple of examples of how? using the data cloud has really made a difference in the, in the bank operates or its ability to, to get quickly to market with a new service or something like that? Yeah, in a lot of different products, how people use the data for personalization. So you can take a look at our, our products and you can see how the information that you experience when looking at Capital One accounts, for example, is very personalized and lets you get to the action that you want to take very quickly. We needed the cloud data platform so that we could tackle a lot of the changes that we needed to make on a real-time basis in order to keep up with our customer needs and our customer behaviors. So we are leveraging the cloud to run several complex models simultaneously, making sure that we're protecting our customer data, but allowing our customers to do what they need to do in the moment, leveraging the data in the cloud, the data cloud essentially. 
And one of the core activities of your bank is being able to deliver personalized, unique experiences for customers, whether they're individual customers or small businesses, especially, I think that would be the focus. Can you talk about how the data cloud and data analytics have really helped you do deliver those kinds of experiences, maybe to the, the handheld device, the, the iPhone or something like that? Sure. Yeah, we rely on uh, machine learning and other advanced capabilities to guide investment decisions. We use it to detect fraud and make sure that we're providing more intelligent products to our customers so they can manage their finances. We can account for events in the world, such as the pandemic, for example, to make sure that our decisions are accurate and beneficial to our customers. And we continually use a test and learn philosophy using the data that we have so that we can meet uh, the objectives that our business put on us as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, I understand the Capital One was one of the first large banks to embrace Snowflake's technology. And in fact, even was even a partner in developing that technology and making sure that it was enterprise ready. If you could talk about the, the partnership, how it developed and what you've achieved through that partnership, that would be great. Yeah, uh, as you mentioned, Steve, we, we were one of the early adopters of Snowflake and we really rely on the elastic capabilities to be able to leverage data, as much data as we need and as much compute as we need and to be able to scale both independently. It lets us store and access larger, more varied data sets. And we have multiple users of that data working in those systems at the same time. And it's helped us train machine learning models for experiences such as Eno, which is our intelligent assistant. And it uses AI-driven insights to notify customers about their unusual transactions. We have really appreciated the partnership with Snowflake. We have a lot of requirements for not only scale and use, concurrent use by all of our different data engineers and analysts, but we also have a lot of needs for reliability, resiliency. We have a lot of governance requirements as well to make sure that we're protecting our customer data and the Snowflake partnership has really uh, worked where Snowflake has incorporated a lot of our needs into their roadmap and has really, Snowflake has really worked with Capital One to understand what a big complex enterprise needs and have built a lot of capabilities into the product. No, that sounds like a very good partnership. I'm sure there have been bumps along the way, though. Can you talk about any of the challenges that you've encountered moving to the cloud? Sure. Over time, organizations tend to accumulate a lot of data. And what I always say is the cloud is great because you can do anything that you want to do. But the problem with the cloud is also you can do anything that you want to do. So just making sure that you're keeping uh, track of all of the different activities by the software engineers and the data scientists is something that we've had to learn how to do in the cloud, in the data cloud, any cloud. And we continue to work through how you manage that at a level that continues to meet the agility needs that we have, but creating the right governance processes around it. And then watch, obviously, the other challenges that anybody has with their cloud services. 
making sure that we are watching uh, out for waste and sprawl and making sure that we continually manage so we can do more with our money as opposed to redundant things with our money. Makes total sense. Now, I know that one of the features of the data cloud is the ability to share data, both internally within an organization through the different uh, units that might in the past have been siloed, but also with external partners and uh, suppliers and distribution partners or whatever kind. So it seems like that opens up a, a big new area for data. And I wondered, how are you leveraging the data cloud to share data more robustly? So internally, we are able to make data available to more users without having to make copies of data or move data around. So I would say just creating the visibility into the data that we have between our groups internally and being allowed to provide the access that they need, obviously within governed processes, without having to tap shoulders and find out what data is and where it is and how to get access to it, has been uh, really significant and uh, in, within the company. I would say externally, we are really scratching the surface of how we leverage data that is being made available in the marketplace without having to move it around. Very interested in the Snowflake data marketplace that is being stood up and and experimenting there. Yeah. So what I mean, is the opportunity with sharing with external and, and through the marketplace, is that largely with with retailers and people like that, or who's the partner that you're sharing data with and what power does that provide? It, it can be any number of partners that you share data with, or they share data with you. Obviously, data that helps augment our analytics is called shared data, where you're getting data from external sources. You can think of, obviously, in uh, credit card, in the credit card business, you leverage credit bureau data. So you make that as an example of sharing data. We've used the data marketplace for the uh, star schema data about COVID-19 to help us run some scenarios to make sure that we could take care of our workforce and our customers. So that just scratches the surface, but there are so many opportunities for Capital One to be able to use data to help make decisions for our workforce and our customers in a much uh, faster way. Now, the data marketplace, one could have separate kind of sharing relationships one-on-one with a lot of different sources. Is What's the advantage of the data marketplace? To me, the advantage of the data marketplace is just being able to see the vast availability of data that's out there that could be leveraged. And it's all. it also prevents the need to move data around and make multiple copies of data. So you can have access to data, you can bring compute to data without having to make copies of it. And not only not only pay for the data that you're using, but also you prevent having to create a whole new infrastructure just for getting access to that data. Yeah, yeah. I remember the old days of data sharing where you actually had to 
often you'd make a hard drive and <laughs> have somebody delivered right. across town. It's been a few years, but but I think some organizations are probably still doing that. But hopefully, oh yeah, sending data, file traditional file transfer yeah. is still very a very big part of most companies yeah. right now. Yeah, in some ways, in term, when you think about a data marketplace, we're at the very beginning of that transformation, correct? That's right. Yeah, I would say that is very true. Yeah. Now, we've talked about how quickly things are changing in our economy, in the business world, in competition, and in technology. So when you look ahead, say, this year or next, what are the most important trends in cloud computing and data analytics that you see coming? There are so many, so I'm just going to concentrate on a few, obviously, because there are so many trends and I'm keeping an eye on all of them. But I think one big one is connected data and automated insights. So there's so much data out there that's in different systems, in different uh, companies, different lines of business within the company, but just making sure that you can connect all of that data and make sure that you are gleaning insights from that data continuously is one big trend. You might hear it uh, referred to as a data fabric or data mesh, but just going more and more down the uh, path of being able to create those data fabrics and making sure that we can connect data and connect how we use that data. I think that's one big trend that you'll continue to see. Before you depart from that, I want to understand a little bit better. So the mesh, how does the mesh enable automated analytics? It, it, It lets you connect data that you might not have thought was related necessarily by making sure that you understand what's out there and how that data is related. And then it just allows you to leverage it more real time. I think that's really the way that I would look at it, just to give you insights about the data itself and then being able to use it for any other use cases that you need to use. Yeah, sorry, I interrupted you there, but uh, what was the second thing? And then I think the other the other area is just being able to use more types of data and again connecting that data. So both structured and unstructured data. So traditionally we tend to think of structured data and then you have keys that you join and then you can put data together to provide insights but We want to be able to look at, the world wants to be able to look at not only that structured data, but also marry that with things like audio and video and do natural language processing and figuring out how to connect that information with what is traditionally structured data and create insights from that and make decisions based on that data. I've heard it, I think I've heard it uh, called X analytics. And I think it just means really just using a wide variety of types of data to be able to uh, make decisions. So I think we'll, we'll see a lot more with that trend as well. Yeah, I know that Snowflake in the past months or six months has added a lot of new data types or is adding a, new, a lot of new data types. And also making it easier for people to program with a bunch of different languages, the language of their choice. Yeah. These are the kinds of things that really help your organization innovate. Talk through that. I've noticed that 
Capital One has racked up the most patents among banking industry, the banking industry for the past year, uh, second year in a row, actually. So what's the focus of your innovations and how does it, how do you depend on vendors like Snowflake to enable those? I think just having data available creates an environment where our business uh, partners and our engineers can just think about the possibilities. So it's sometimes hard to imagine what's possible without, without knowing what's really out there that you could use and just having access to and seeing what type of information is out there has really opened up the innovative spirit within our company. So we identify new and innovative products and experiences that help us create tech-centric banking solutions for our customers. And the growth in our portfolio is really uh, generated by harvesting those innovations from our associates across the company. And the more and more that they take a look at what's information, what information is out there, they're leveraging technologies such as artificial intelligence, machine learning, and applying that to business problems, customer problems that they're trying to solve. And out of that comes really great products that are patentable. Yeah. It sounds like your company and your group within it rely on outside vendors for basic functionality for these big infrastructure things and these the data management things like that but you create your own applications you're not relying on some outside application company to to do the analytics for you or bring the ai to it is it's, that's what you're cooking up yourselves correct yes that's right we cook up to to use your term our customer applications ourselves, leveraging a lot of tools that external providers add. I will also add that we are also very innovative in creating uh, management tools ourselves where there are gaps in the industry. So we're not always just focused on patenting financial products. We do also delve into tech products as well, where we see a need for something that enables an enterprise such as ours to operate effectively. So if there's a gap, rather than waiting for somebody to fill it, you fill it yourself. That's right. Yeah. That's right. That makes a lot of sense. I see the future. What a fascinating modern age we live in. Is this what the future holds? So I, I want to ask you to put on your visionary cap now uh, for a minute and, and look out say five years or more, how do you see the data cloud impacting business and also society? I, I think it's just an acceleration of what's already happening. Just the continued ability to see and visualize things in the moment, allowing decisions to be made much faster. I, I anticipate that data predictions will be made with with the ability to just take a, a lot of data information and, and make predictions in the moment rather than waiting for lots of anal analytics, looking at trends over time and then making decisions in, in a little bit of a longer fashion. So just immediate recommendations, immediate decisions being made that just allows the world to evolve much more quickly. So 
That suggests that you see the user of these technologies and of the data being not just the data scientist or data engineer or some analyst within a, a business unit, but really the operational people, whether they be executives or people working in a branch office or something like that. Do you see a lot of capabilities coming to the hands of kind of non-experts or non-tech? I do. I actually see data science becoming much more of a data science as a service, Mm -hmm. business intelligence as a service over time. And the consumer or the user of the data, or as you said, the operator is going to be able to use these tools that are in hand to make decisions rather than something that was very centralized or continues to be centralized. Data is really complex and data science is is amazingly complex. That's why we have so many of people out there doing this analytics with PhDs. But I just think more and more products are going to become self-service and give the end users the ability to do what typically those data scientists had to spend a lot of time on doing centrally. Okay, let's move into our final segment, Up Close and Personal. For your information, there's a lot more to ogres than people think. Really need to dig deep and get to know the real you in the real Up Close and Personal. Last question, we always try to ask one that's real kind of personal and a little softer. So I noticed that your family name is Lebanese. And I'm just curious, when did your family immigrate? And how has your Middle Eastern heritage affected your life and career? My Yes, I am Lebanese. I was born in Beirut, actually. So and both my parents were born and raised in Lebanon as well. My, my family immigrated in the 70s based on the unrest and the civil war in Lebanon. And I was obviously very young. I grew up outside of Lebanon. We left Lebanon when I was just a couple of months old. But the way that it's impacted me, my family is very adaptable. So my entire family essentially left That means cousins, aunts, uncles, grandparents left and are all over the world. And it just taught me, even though I grew up mostly in the United States, but living with my parents, just taught me the importance of knowledge, information, education, and being curious and really understanding what is around you so that you can adapt and innovate and change the way you go about things because the circumstances around you may or may not be in your control, but the way that you react to those circumstances and what you do with that information is something that is was just ingrained with me. It's very important and you need to be able to adapt. So I would say from that life experience and growing up in my family, with my family all over the world and seeing how everybody has pretty much done a really great job adapting to their different environments. I think that spilled over into my work life, which also demonstrates in my career, my ability to adapt to changing trends, to continually want to be on those edge of those transformations that have been occurring throughout my career. So I attribute that very much to my Lebanese heritage. Yeah, that's interesting. At the top of the conversation, we talked about your kind of management and leadership lessons. 
They're the same. You talked about the the things that you tell and you teach to the people in your, on your teams. That's very much the approach that you've taken to life because of, of your immigrant experience. So that's really very interesting. Yep. And it teaches you the possi- possibilities are endless. I am very proud to say that I have a very, very uh, successful family. And I think it's all through learning those lessons for sure. Yeah. This has been a delightful conversation, really interesting stuff about managing data, about analyzing data, about running a bank on data. And I think one of the coolest lessons from this conversation really is that businesses have to see themselves partly as technology companies, not just as consumers of technologies, but as innovators in technology and transformers of their industry. Because it seems like if you don't transform your own industry, you might be bulldozed by the transformations that come. So I, I see that as the, as the big message today. Yeah, that, that's right, Steve. And I think Capital One definitely embodies exactly what you just said. Oh, great. Thank you so much. Thank you. The Data Cloud World Tour is making 21 stops around the globe so you can learn about the latest innovations at Snowflake's Data Cloud at a venue near you. Join your fellow data leaders at one of our full day events to network with Snowflake customers and technology partners, attend educational breakout sessions, and learn how to drive more value from your data. Find an event near you at www.snowflake.com data cloud world tour.